Business Podcast. Proximity is power. Registration for our executive boardroom is still open. To learn more, click the link in the description of this episode. All right. Thank you for joining us at the Game of Business podcast. Once again, I am JP Paul, and today I'm joined by David Jones. David, this is I'm excited to have you because it's been a while since we've had a sales and marketing guru on with us. Um, David's background is unique, though, and we're chatting about where he came from. He's, he has a degree in chemical engineering and I don't know, it's a science degree from Purdue. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm thinking about this guy that's using beakers for, you know, mixing chemicals and stuff, but uh, ends up uh, moving, changing careers over into the sales area and became a global business director after he got out of the, the, the science background, I guess, if you will. But then, then along comes this opportunity for you in biotech, and, and you went to work for Michigan State University and, and opened a bunch of businesses with venture capitalists, and then back to the chemical industry where you became this global VP of marketing. This is why I want people to understand this man has a great background in marketing. A global VP of marketing is a, is a, is a huge gig. And then finally, what you're, you, you went into consulting on your own, and now you're with uh, Sales Accelerator, which is you have fractional ownership. I think is what you said in that, and you help other companies that are under 100 million and less get their their sales teams and their sales processes put together. And this is exciting because there's a lot of uh, younger entrepreneurs that will be watching this. You know, I, I'd like to talk, David, about the the life cycle of business. There's there's the infancy, toddler child stage, then there's the teenager stage, young adult stage, then there's prime, and then we start aging and. But the thing that's cool about business is that unlike life, we're on that continuum and we're going to end up, we're all ending up at the same spot. But in business, until you actually end at that same spot, you can turn back the clock. And, and working with somebody like you can, can help that. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks absolutely. Time. It's a, great to be on your podcast, JP. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, give me an overview of how you can, what services you can provide for um, a, a younger company, say somebody that's doing a million dollars in revenue up to, to 10 or 15 million, you know, what does that look like? How do you engage with us? Yeah, so um, business owners have a passion for something. This is why they started their business. So whatever it might be, they probably didn't have 30 years of sales experience before they started that business, okay? They, they uh, had a passion for something, got into it, and now they have to do everything. Now, the entrepreneur has to manage everything. Well, that works to get started, right? And so you're excited about your business. You go out, you talk to your friends, your neighbor, your lawyer, your accountant, and the next thing you know, you've got a little bit of business started, right? Business is coming along and you're thinking life's great, and then all of a sudden it plateaus. And it plateaus because your network that you're connected to can only go so far, and you're too busy now, right? You're too busy, but you still have dreams and aspirations of taking your business up higher and higher. And so this is the time when you need to bring in uh, outside folks to help you because you're just, you're just out of time, right? You, you can't squeeze it all into your busy day. And so I come in as what's called a fractional executive. And the reason it's called fractional executives is that I'm gonna work a fraction of my week. It's typically four hours or eight hours per week, but I'm gonna be with you every week 
driving the business forward. And I, and the re other reason we call it fractional is because you're only playing a fraction of my, my cost, right? I have multiple business owners that I'm working with during the week. And so that allows me to get the, the revenue that I need for my business, but also gives these business owners somebody that has, you know, 35 years of corporate business experience to help them. Uh, so it's a great combination. Uh, and what I do when I go in, I actually become part of your management team. So I'm not a business coach that just sits on the sideline and tells you do this, do that, and then you find out that you don't have time in the day to do it. I actually go in and, and I do it for you. I go in and handle everything around the sales function, okay? I'm gonna manage the people, I'm gonna hire the people, I'm gonna fire the people if they need fired. I'm gonna drive the business forward by putting together a strategy that fits for your business, you know, because each one of them is a little different. And then I've got to put the processes in place and document those processes and then have execution plans that really make it happen. So that's what I do. That's great. So if I'm, um, you, you're working for me and are these companies, they already have existing sales staff generally? Some of them do, some of them don't. Okay. Sometimes the, it's a solopreneur or somebody that's by themselves, but they have dreams of getting bigger, right? And they can't handle it. Other times, uh, you know, if you're at 50 million, for instance, I work with companies that big, you could have 10 or 15 salespeople. You might even have an existing VP of sales or an existing sales manager, and you just need an outside expert to come in and help your team get aligned for the future. This is great. I, one of the things that I see with uh, small businesses is that uh, we don't have new voices coming into the business especially a lot of the companies that I deal with are family run businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got the first generation dealing with the second generation. I was working with a company here this last spring. They did uh, just under $25 million in revenue last year. And uh, the dad's getting ready to retire in about a year and a half. And they kept telling me that they're a small business. No, <laughs> you're beyond the small business m mindset. But if you keep this small business mindset, you will stay where you're at. I mean, right. at some point, the wheels are gonna fall off. If you're gonna run a $25 million company hoping to scale to 50, doing the same things you did as, as a $5 million company, eventually something's gonna catch you, right? Yeah. So bringing in somebody like yourself that has uh, new optics is, is important for any business. Um, what strategies do you see when you come in are there any strategies that you, you say, okay, these are the core strategies we need to implement to, to move forward? You know, I really love working with second generation business owners. Um, number one, they really know their markets. They know their business. They grew up in it, right? They, they, it was talked about at the family table every night. What I find, though, is that the, the, you know, the previous generation did a great job but they didn't pass down to their the next generation the kind of the momentum to change the business. It was always about, I'm going to do it my way type of thing. And you're right. If you're at 25 million, you want to get to 50 million. It's a whole different ballgame. You have to do things different. And many times those businesses just have not modernized. They haven't gone to the new techniques, the new software that's out there to run their business. 
And having somebody like me come in that is with a bigger group, you know, Sales Acceleration is the, the largest group in the world that helps businesses of this size, right? We, we, there's 200 of us across the U.S. That, that help small businesses. And so we do that by working with that owner initially to do an assessment. So when I go in, I don't come in with a preconceived notion of how to grow their business. What I do is I do a deep dive assessment. I'm going to look at 44 different aspects of your business. And you're saying, well, why, why is a sales guy concerned about profits and concerned about cost? Because it doesn't do me any good to drive the sales if the back end of the business can't support it. And I need to understand all of that. I, I need to understand where is the business today, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? Once I understand that and I understand their market segments, where they're targeting, understand their competitors, now I can customize a program to get those areas of the company that are a little weak up to a best-in-class level at the same time not hurting the culture of the business hurting those things that allowed them to get the 25 million in the first place that's so important they, they you want to keep that same culture you want to keep that same value proposition that you had but you really do have to modernize to take yourself up to that next level right so, so I'm a, I would guess that you and I are around the same age which means that when we got out of school, digital marketing wasn't even a thing, right? <laughs> I know I started school, this is I'm gonna age myself, I started school for my high school graduation present, my mom got me this typewriter that had a uh, its own whiteout button so it could remember the words and white out words and go backwards and all my all the people in the dorm wanted to use my typewriter because it had this feature, right? And it wasn't until the last couple of years that we had a word processor, it was so clunky, I'd just rather use my typewriter. The reason I'm bringing this up is you know, there's obviously a shift, a massive shift in marketing in the last 20 years to the digital marketing space. But what do you do to stay updated? And what do you do to help your clients stay updated with uh, the latest marketing trends and technologies? You know, now we got AI coming on board. How do, how do you stay up to date? And, and then just since I mentioned AI, how do you think that's going to affect the, the sales and marketing? Yeah, I, I'm very fortunate that... Um Within the group I'm in, there's, like I said, there's 200 of us. Uh, we share best practices across all of us. So uh, we have a chat board where we say, hey, has anybody seen this? This is the latest, greatest thing. And then we all learn about it, right? We all learn at the same time. The other thing is, is that, that we have national partners. So I have partners that are fractional CMOs. I have partners that are fractional CFOs. I have partners that can come in for HR or IT and they help me learn. You know, I go to their training classes. I go to their seminars. And that keeps me up to date. Matter of fact, just this morning, I was given a presentation at a local chamber of commerce. And the subject was AI and sales, right? What's happening? How are we going to implement it? Uh, those are the type of things that everybody wants to know. Today, I'll tell you the truth, it's kind of a toy. You know, people are using it, playing with it, maybe improving their LinkedIn post or improving their emails but you know we're looking at things like how can AI help you coach better so think of uh, I'm doing a sales call but I'm recording that sales call whether I'm doing it on zoom and I'm doing it in person and the computer is going to tell me afterward you know did I do a good opening did I do a good job talking about my value proposition did I do a good job closing you know that client now you've got repeatable ways that that computer can, 
can spit this back out to you. And, and as this is being tested, you would think the best salespeople wouldn't want it. They wouldn't want Big Brother looking over their shoulder. But what we've seen is that actually it's the best salespeople want to get better. You know, they want to see where they might have slipped up on a sales call. You know, they don't want to stick their head in the sand and, and not get coaching. The best salespeople love the coaching. They want to be pushed. They want to take it to the next level because it means more money in their pocket. A absolutely. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, we only have a, a finite amount of time in, in our lives, in our career, mm -hmm. in our day. And um, I'm kind of, I'm just reminded of, as I'm thinking about, the, just triggered me with this uh, AI thing that um, it goes by so fast, right? And, you know, I'm, I've got a child that seemed like he was, uh, I was just coaching his fifth grade baseball team the other day, you know, winning, winning a, a champion, I was a championship coach in fifth grade <laughs> for him. I've still got the trophy up here, uh, you know, in my office. It's one of my, my proudest moments, like a mini Heisman trophy thing. And I still remember all of those amazing things. Now in our lives, we, you know, we wish we could have more time. But I, AI is going to give us the opportunity to collapse time because yes. instead of having to go out and research a bunch of stuff, you can ask a question and it does, in essence, does the research for you. So I think that when you have top salespeople, what do we want to be? I mean, I was, I'm a sales guy by, by trade. That's where I, I came mm -hmm. up in sales. And what do we want? We want more face time with clients. We like being with clients. We don't like doing call reports and doing research and all this. So yeah, I can totally see where the top people, especially they're going to want to leverage that. Not, it's not a cheating mechanism. It's collapsing time. I mean, uh, think about the one thing that most salespeople hate and that's entering data into a CRM system, right? We all know we need that CRM system. We all know we need that data. But boy, when, when AI gets advanced enough that it's almost like it's, it's reading your mind or reading your e emails and putting that information right into your CRM system, that's the one I'm going to buy, you know, because <laughs> I coach it. You know, I coach that you need a CRM system, that you, you need to, to be diligent about tracking what's going on with your clients because you want to be on top of that. You want to be on top of your sales funnel. But boy, it is time consuming. And if we can cut that time down, well, I'm all for it. Yeah, what measurement tools do you put in place to measure the effectiveness of your campaigns, either sales or marketing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I prefer uh, both the lagging indicators, right, which are typically, you know, how much you're selling, your profits, et cetera. You got to have those. But more than that, I like leading indicators. I like eating, leading indicators that, that show activity. Because if you're doing enough of the right activity and you've got your sales and marketing process defined, then you can almost predict what those lagging indicators are going to be. And so let's say you're a small business and you're going to do lead generation through maybe four mechanisms, right? You're going to have your website, of course, people will come to you, but we know that's random. Then you're going to do your social media outreach. Well, you should measure that, right? How much are you doing? How much are you doing on LinkedIn? How much are you doing on Facebook? And then what's the results you're getting from that? Are, are you, you know, typically I can tell you it's less than 3%. You send out, you know, 100 LinkedIn requests, uh, you're probably going to get like 3% that'll engage with you. 
but that's good. That's 3% you didn't have before. So you got to do a little bit of that. Then you're going to do some cold calling. I know everybody hates cold calling, but, but that's still important. It's still important getting out there, meeting with customers. If you can get face-to-face -face with them, that's great. Well, how many of those do you need to do each week, right? You should know that, and you should get that done first. I, a lot of times I teach salespeople, do the thing you hate first in the week and get it out of the way so you don't have to do it on Friday. So if every week, yeah, you, that's a, I'm going to tell you everybody, they should do that in life, right? They should do because that in life. If you know you've got this task and you just say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. Eventually, you can't put it off to the next tomorrow and you have to do it. And meanwhile, you've carried this anchor with you the whole time. Just whole time. it's sitting in the back of your mind. It's going, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But man, have you ever done had something like that? And then when you do it, you're like, huh, that wasn't so bad. And, wasn't and, so and, bad. and you feel so much lighter immediately. Oh, absolutely. And you'll get better at it, right? This is what I what, what's important is if you're, you know, doing cold calling, which is important for a salesperson to connect, and you've got your targeted market, you've got your ideal customer profile, and you get that right person on the phone, you want to get better and better at that, right? And the only way to do it is to repeat it every week. And so if you've got a hit, let's say you your your target is I'm gonna do five cold calls that results in at least one customer, you know, every week that I can have further dialogue with. Well, do that on Monday or do that on Tuesday. Get it out of the way. What's your thoughts? And then do you do any training around scripting sales calls or making outlines of what you need to talk about, especially with yeah. initial initial calls? Absolutely. It should be, uh, you should have your entire sales process documented and what the scripts are going to be. And the reason you do that is so that you can tweak it and make it better. If you try to do randomness, you're going to get randomness in your results. All right. So, so do document it. Do try to stay to a script. And you might find that, hey, I'm only getting 10% engagement. Well, change your script then. Change that script so that your value proposition is coming through clearly so that that potential client knows, oh, gosh, this is something I need. They, they, they can solve my problems today, right? Uh, and, and by doing that, your script is going to get better and better and better. But if you don't, if you just try to wing it, winging it works. I mean, some, some people have just this, this great personality. Well, fantastic. You're, you're one of the 1% out there, right? The rest of us have to work at this. Sales is work. You've got to follow a process. You've got to follow a script for sure. Yeah. What do you teach around influence and influencing buying decisions? Because I've always looked at it where people buy on emotion, but then they support that sale with logical logic and facts, right? What do you, what do you do to do? Are you doing some training with the teams around influencing or getting people to, to get to that emotional state? Yeah, so I, I, I phrase it a little differently. I, I say that people buy on personal needs and business needs. That's exactly what you said, right? And so you have to understand what both of them are, okay? So, for instance, if I walk into a, a client's, potential client's office and I see nothing but awards on their wall, I know this is a person that likes that, right? And so this this yeah, has to be a they're win. definitely a significant base significant, a significant base person. Yes, exactly. So this has to be a win for them. This has to be a win with their boss, right? And so I've got to give that person exposure to their boss. I know what the personal win is. 
then I have to ask the appropriate questions to find out what the business win will be, right? Is the business win higher productivity, lower you know, quality rejects? What's the business win for, for the business? Once I've got both of those, man, now you can really close that business. Yeah, so I look at influence to influence somebody, which is what we're doing in sales, you have to already know what influences them. Yeah. And it boils down to, uh, I don't know if you've done any study but on this, but there's the six human needs, right? Certainty. We all need to feel like, hey, I know, I know where my, my money's coming from. I can put food on the table, roof over the head. Um, I've got a good job, those kind of things. Uh, then if every day was the same, though, we'd get bored. So we need to have variety in what we do. So that's another one of our human needs. Another one's significance. Another one is love and connection. And then if those are fulfilled, then we can get into the needs of the soul, which are growth and, and contribution, right? Mm -hmm. Contribution to society, contribution to charity, however that looks. Um, and we all have those needs. It's just the way we filter them, what our two primary needs are determines you know, how we can make it granular. But I love that example of, of the plaques are on the wall. Yeah. Uh, of all the trophies or even even degrees i haven't i couldn't even i've got a master's degree i couldn't even tell you where that that piece of paper is you know it just, but I, I bet you have pictures of your family in your office though right yes, like you talked yes, about it right and yeah. so it, it, it for you it's more of a connection a relationship thing that you have to do the the other thing that's really important around influence is you have to know where that person lies in the um in the whole organization and what their role is in the in buying process. So are they a technical buyer? Are they an economic buyer? Are they the ultimate decision maker or are what we call a blocker? You know, a lot of times there's people in the organization that are, are just people that block you from getting to the right people. And you really have to understand that first because you, if you, you can influence a, a blocker all you want, you're not getting anywhere, right? You got to get to those economic buyers, those technical buyers, and ultimately to the decision maker to really put the influence on. Right. Inside of what you do right now, is there much uh, coaching that you're doing in the marketing space specifically, or is it just sales space right now? I'm focused mainly on the sales space. Now, having been a marketing leader, I also help with that. But what I like to do is stay in my swim lane, right? So I'm a fractional sales executive and I like to bring in partners. So I like to bring in partners around doing marketing content, website development, social media. Uh, things change so fast there that for me to stay on top of all those is just so difficult, right? Sure. And I like this concept for small businesses because oftentimes if we're going to look for a C-level C-suite level person like yourself to come in and run our sales department. A lot of small companies aren't gonna be able to afford that, number one. Number two, you're gonna find yourself, my, my imagination is if you came to work for a million dollar company, you're gonna spend a lot of your time, if you were hired full time, uh, doing the cold calls, doing all these things that it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's beneath you, but it's not the highest and best use of your time, right? right. And right. so they'd be, they'd be paying a, you know, multi six figure individual to do a 50 or $75,000 job. They're overpaying for it, right? So now they've got somebody that can work at a strategic level. And I think what, what folks out there need to understand is that when you hire somebody like this, uh, like, like David and what his company does, it's an investment in your company. And you gotta look at it as an investment, not just a sunk cost. 
Yeah, you, you, you want to get to that next level. All businesses go through plateaus, different plateaus. And it takes investment to break through that plateau to go to the next level. So that's the first strategy decision you have to make is, okay, am I going to make investment to get to the next level? If, if it's more of a lifestyle business for you and you're comfortable where you are, then you don't need somebody like me, right? You, you don't need that because I'm going to drive the business to the next level, but there is a cost involved, right? But that investment is going to, you know, it's going to be a 10 times return in no time. Well, and we talk about this where when we get into this business early on, um, we're the operator. We, own, we may own 100% of it, but we're operating. We're in it. I know when I had bought my first manufacturing business, let me see. I was the estimator, the outside sales guy, the inside sales guy. Uh, I, I was the general manager until I became the president of the company. Um, I was the operations manager, and then I was trying to learn how to become a CFO which I eventually did, but it was early on, it was like, this is new to me because I've been a sales guy my whole life. So I'm wearing all these hats and I'm in the business and the business is running me. I'm not running the business, it's running me. And I it was in a reactive place. And it wasn't until I realized that there's a, as I grew and I went, okay, I'm not good at project management. So let's get me out of project management and make an investment in somebody else. And so as, as when you're on the lower end of the business, we're not talking the one, like the one we talked about where it's a 25 million trying to get to 50, they should have that kind of stuff in place. But, but the lower end companies, it's like, you need to spend your money on investing in your company before you go invest in the bigger house. Yeah, exactly. If you want it, if that's your dream, then you have to prioritize those investments. So, so JP, have you heard of the, EOS operating system or uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I so, ran my I ran my uh, manufacturing business off of that for okay. Well, so, so, so the same folks that own EOS own Sales Acceleration, okay. And Perfect. so we're we're, we're yeah. partners with them. And so I I come in and and I take in the sales seat, right? So that we can free that owner up to be a visionary, right? A visionary who can think of more things than just the day-to-day -day operations like you talked about. Uh, that's so key if you want to get to that next level is to, to free your time up to be that visionary. Right. I'll tell you, I'll, since you brought this up, I, I'm going to tell you my story. So I studied under a guy uh, by the name of Keith Cunningham. I don't know if you know Keith, but um, this is a guy, I, I love his story. He, he grew up middle class, although I think he did go to Harvard. <laughs> so he's got that pedigree. And by the time he, before he was 40, he had a nine figure net worth. And then, uh, I mean, he was going, he was at boardrooms, uh, getting Michael Milken to, to, before he got in trouble to invest in him and stuff. But, um, anyway, Keith decided he leveraged everything for this real estate investment and they, here in Texas somewhere. And then they found there was an endangered kangaroo rat or spider or something on the property. And the whole thing was shut down and overnight he went to negative net worth because we lost, lost everything. But then, then he rebuilt it all, right? So it's not the mistakes that we, that we make. It, one thing he, he told me was, um, I might've gone broke, but I was never poor. Yeah. And, he, and he, wasn't poor. He, he wasn't poor because he'd had the knowledge, right? He had the skill set, And once you learn that, you can apply that to the business you're in today or the business you're going to be in tomorrow.
Right. And well, one of the things he told me when I, early on when I was working with him, he, I, I'll just get to the, the gist of it. He told me I had a culture problem in my business. I was like, no, I don't. And about seven or eight months later, um, I read uh, Traction. Yeah. And I got to this, this, the culture piece in there and the way they rank the culture. And I went, oh my God, I've got a culture problem. And I did, I, I had my number two come into the conference room. I had every employee's name on the board. We put our core values over the top. We already had core values. That's why I thought I had a culture because I had core values, but I didn't understand this piece. Put the pluses, minuses, and plus minuses across the board. And there was about seven people out of 40 and that were below the bar. And I told, I told them there's three of them. I said, as soon as those people so much as sneeze in front of you, I want them out of here. And I said, I will tear this company down to the studs and do it all by myself again if I have to, because I'm not going to work with people that don't align with my values. Yeah, that's a very important thing in a company, particularly a small business. You have, have to have everybody rowing in the same direction. Absolutely. So, um, and then I love this idea, though, of, of hey, I, I wouldn't have brought you into my company because I was the sales guy, but right. I could have easily said, hey, Let's and, and, and my wife at the time, she was the, the controller. So we had redeveloped the, the financial aspect. But boy, we could have used a chief marketing officer. Yes. I, 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 it's, it's really interesting to me that I really, I'm really good at sales. I, the marketing game escapes me. <laughs> and I'm really creative. But I just, I just can't seem to, to get on base with marketing. What well, am here, I doing I'm wrong, David? I'll give you a simple way to think about it. So marketing is about creating the need. Sales is about satisfying the need. Okay, so that's a simple way to think it through. And so when people get stuck on marketing, they're trying to think of it from a sales perspective, like, oh, I'm going to satisfy this person what they need. What you really have to do is you have to uncover those needs first, figure out which one fits with what you're selling, and then align your value proposition to it, you know, and that has to come through all of the media channels. It all has to be the same message. So because, you know, people don't make a decision until they hear something seven times, right? You, you cannot connect I with someone. I think it's even more than that now. It might be more than that. Because you know, all we're all flooded all with all the information, right? Yeah. And so marketing's you know, real key thing is to get rid of that clutter, get that message across, you know, seven or 10 times to that person. And then they go, oh yeah, I need that. You know, I do need that. Now, here's who I'm going to call, right? Then your sales comes in and closes the deal. That, that's great. What do you, do you train anything up inside of your system um, where you are creating a, a space where you become, you gain credibility immediately or very quickly with prospects? Uh, yeah, so um, we do a, a, what we call a sales agility assessment, which is a quick assessment, kind of like, like you said, you did the book Traction and you did some, right? And you found out, well, we do the same thing around sales. We have some, you know, 10 questions that you can look at and it just pops right out at people instantly. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not quite as good as, I'm a little weak here, I need some help on that. Uh, so that's one. And then two is, is that uh, number one, you got to be a good listener, right? I, I need to hear from that business owner what their dreams or aspirations are, what their struggles are. 
And once they feel like you're connecting with them, once they once you understand that, hey, I'm on your side. You know, I'm not here to. I, I can go to other clients, right? I only have a, a finite amount of time every week that I can go. And so I can, can engage with you if you'll engage with me, right? Are, are you the person that's willing to have someone come in and help you? And, and many folks are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so let's elevate it. Now you're working for, you know, a $50 million company. That that feels like it just it, in the brief time that we've got to talk here, that feels like it's more in your wheelhouse because you can add a lot more value. It feels like, oh, well, I, you know, like, I want to say it, that. I don't want to say that. I, it, as a percentage of the company, you probably add more to the one million dollar guy. But the higher level of thinking that's that, that they're not they're not using all your brain at the one million dollar company. The 50 million dollar no, company is going to be able to leverage it, everything you've got. Right. You'd be you'd be shocked at how challenging some sales issues are with a small business, particularly in competitive situations. Right. That's where it really challenges my brain is to figure out how we can win. Right. In a 50 million dollar company, they've already won. They know what they're 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 good at. Right. Their opportunities are different. Typically for them, they have some type of of uh unproductivity in their business and their sales organization. They have folks that aren't aligned, right? And and they struggle a lot of times with retention of people, which is, is a little different challenge than a, a small business, which is really just trying to struggle to compete. And so while they're different challenges, they're both hard to solve. Yeah, they are. Do you, yeah, okay, do you work with companies on coming up with incentive packages for salespeople? And what's, I your, do. what's your overall philosophy in, on incentivizing salespeople? Because I'd like to hear yes. what you have to say and, and, and see how it aligned with mine. Yeah. So, uh, so sales acceleration, you know, does a lot of clients, and we we uh, um, we do a surveys on them, and what works, what doesn't work, and and what we found across North America is what we call a 50-50 compensation works the best. So. We want a salesperson who's hungry. So their, their base is not going to be a 100% base. It's going to be a 50% base. But they can get up to 100% through what they're supposed to do to reach budget. Now, the next thing is, is we're not going to cap that, though. We're going to have an unlimited incentive because if they're driving business, everybody's winning. And so for the people that really want to hustle, really want to drive it, they can have unlimited potential right? That's really what you, where you want to go to. You don't want to disincentivize somebody who's your star person to say that, oh, I'm capped now. I can't sell anymore. You know, it's already, you know, January and I've, I've already nailed everything. What am I going to do? I'm on vacation the rest of the year? No, you don't want that. You want to drive, drive, drive. You want them hungry. You want them to be a hunter out there. I, so I but we say 50-50. I agree. I love the hunting aspect of sales. That's where I was. Once it started, once the relationship got done, I'm like, that should go to the inside people. When I was outside, I want to hunt find, and, and build those relationships. And then as I became a business owner, it was, I'll never cap your earnings. Matter of fact, no. I hope you make more money than I do. Because I set myself up. I didn't pay my salespeople on sales. I paid it on, on profit. So you have right. that account, you get paid on profit, not on sales. So as long as I, right. we're making profit, mm -hmm. uh, we're all, we're all going to win. So I love that because I was in it early on in my career. 
uh, I was in a, well, it wasn't even, it was, it was early, it was before I was a business owner, I was outside sales and I was in the system where they said, okay, you can only have a hundred customers, period. Yeah. Okay. That's number one. And we just, and, and it was a good concept for the first year because it really got us to focus on the key targets of the company. But do the math. If my territory is in a tri-county area in Portland, Oregon, which I can get to from one side to the other in an hour, and I've got 100 clients in 20 days, that's five calls a day, and I'm done. Now, You're done. Hustle, yeah. hustle, hustle my ass off for the first year, get the stretch bonus and everything, and they're like, great. And, and I had a great year. It worked out amazingly. But then the next year, they said, you still only have those 100 clients. And your budget is what you did last year plus 5%. They gave me a pay cut. They yeah, cut they my pay. And I was like, I, and they said, oh, we're going to give you, we're going to give you like, I don't know, it was, was $5,000 a year base salary range. And I'm like, I told my boss, I'm like, you just cut my pay like 20 grand. And you're paying and you're acting like I got a raise. What are we doing here? You know, and it really created a situation that was so disincentivizing for me that, uh, yeah, I ended up becoming, uh, like you said, I, everybody doesn't, once I built that up, out of those 100 people, they don't need to see me every month. So maybe right. it's every other month. Now I got 50 calls in 20 days. So two to right. three calls a day. I'm finding myself getting in the best shape of my life because I had plenty of time to get to the gym. <laughs> There's no excuse not to go there. So I want all the salespeople out there or all the business owners out there, listen to David, listen to me from experience as a salesperson and as a business owner. Do not cap your salespeople. Whatever you yeah. do, make, give them unlimited upside. You'll know if people aren't working well for you and you can cut bait and find somebody that will. Make it so that they can make more money than this than, than you as the owner of the company. Now I get and we're not talking about GE and stuff and you're gonna make twenty five, fifty million dollars. But but now, uh, this now here's this the key going. though, JP, is when I write that incentive plan, I have uh, you know, requirements in there too, right? So this is not just, hey, you go off on your own. You, you got to follow our sales process. You got to do things. You got to make sure that operations can can supply these things. You can't be cutting deals that are outside of you know your approval. So so just to make the business owner feel more comfortable, if you write the incentive plan right, there are controls in that plan so that it doesn't go crazy on you, right? Correct. I I, I did the same thing. That but that's also I put it on profit. Because they're mm -hmm. not just going to go, oh, I get paid on top line. I, 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 my company, here's another story. My company that I worked with in distribution, I think our division single-handedly put a master distributor out of business. Because <laughs> what happened was we heard that they got paid, they got paid all their salespeople on sales, not commission. Yeah. So we would go out and get all these quotes on pipe and fittings. And maybe it's a $50,000 quote. Um, and, our, and our cost was, I don't know, $30,000. And we'd say, oh my God, to match this, you need to give it to us for 25. And they go, okay. <laughs> and so they, 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 they got paid on the sales so they could get uh, 100% of nothing or their commission on 25. Well, the company lost money. And it was, it was I, after they went out of business, I went, oh man, we, we didn't do that company a, a favor. <laughs> you know, the, the other mistake I see in, uh, entrepreneurs is they're like, well, I don't have any money to pay anybody, so I'm going to pay you on commission after you make the sale, right? 
Well, unfortunately, uh, that is not the right incentive. You would think it's, it protects you, but it, it really doesn't do any justice because what if something happens in the world and now that person has no income coming in for two months, right? Are you going to put them on the, you know, into the poorhouse because of that? You don't want to do that to your employees. You want employees that are going to stick with you long term and, you know, you got to give them that base so they can at least survive during the, the up times and the downsides. Yeah, and I don't know that I, I like the 50-50 concept. If I had to look at mine, I was probably more 75-25, 75, 75 base, 25 commission, but with no with no no limits. I didn't say, oh, you can only get paid on these 100 accounts. No, right. go get me 100 more, you know. <laughs> well, we'll figure yeah. out the operations piece. That's not an issue <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for my business at the time. If fulfillment wasn't the issue, it was filling the top of the funnel, right? You can always make that happen. So how do you then, you said you, you, you put... Uh, guardrails around them. That's what I like to call it, guardrails. What What do you think are the, uh, give me an example of two or three guardrails that you would put in place for sales teams. Uh, for sure, it's a margin, right, is one. So you talked about profitability. Everybody measures that differently. It makes sure that that's defined clearly. Number one, that it's defined clearly. Number two, um, if you're selling multiple services or multiple product lines what's the mix that you want for your business okay because some businesses need that mix they they can't sell all of just one product or service because they've got to keep everybody else employed so you've got to hit the mix so to speak is what i call it and you've got to define that so that's a couple examples right there okay um what ongoing talent development do you recommend? I, I recommend that it never stops, right? And uh, here's what I used to do with my teams at the corporate level, and I, I still practice this with entrepreneurs. Tell, tell your salespeople that they're always going to be in training, right? It never ends. Even, even your most advanced people, it's always good for them to get at least one nugget out of a, of a training class. And, and here's what I, I tell people is that you have dreams and aspirations. Let's help you get there as a person. And so for one of your trainings for this year, I want you to pick it. What is it that you're dreaming about that you want to get better at? The second one, though, I get to pick. I get to pick because you're going to have a blind spot that, that you can't see that I'm going to help you improve. Okay? So I want you at a minimum to take two topics of training, right? Now today what's great is you can do online training. So for instance, I offer online sales training and then I can, can coach along with that. And it's so easy today. It's like 20 minutes a week. You can watch a module you know, over the course of several weeks and boy, do you pick up things quickly that way. And then I help with the accountability and the retention to make sure it really becomes a practice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, suggest something to you in this that maybe you can maybe it'll land on you just right so when you're doing the training encourage those folks to train somebody else because here's what yes. i believe if you can't teach it then you don't really know it and if you don't know it you won't use it and grow it that's kind of what i said so what i came up with so have hey once you leave this training you need to train one of the other salespeople on one nugget that you got out of this because you said identify one nugget yeah. right awesome but, but if we just, if we use it and it's in our brain, knowledge isn't power, it's potential power. Right. And then, 
It'll just, if we put it on the shelf, it, it, it won't do anything. So let's train somebody else. And then it becomes part of who we are, part, part of our DNA, right? Yeah, no, JP, um, that's a very powerful thing you've mentioned, particularly for your, I'll call them your seasoned, you know, professionals who believe they don't need training. Okay, well, you might not, but let's teach it. And then when you watch them teach it and you go, hey, wait a minute, you're not teaching that correctly. And then they get it. And the next thing you know, then they feel better about themselves too. Right, exactly. Well, and then great salespeople are competitive anyway. So, They're competitive. Uh, you know, you could make a game about training too, where they, you know. Um, one last thing. Uh, how do you identify new market opportunities? Yeah, for, for, uh, for my clients, I think what's really important is to do the market research. And what, what am I talking about market research? You know, really describe what market segments you want to go after. The geography, the territories, the industries in, within that industry, what niche you're going to go after. Once you have that defined, then there's lots of tools out there on the internet to find out who is in that space. Now that you have that space, then do some type of prioritization. You know, is there a sweet spot on size that you like to go after? Or are there ones that you, you, you want to target because of maybe an accessory product they buy? But do some type of prioritization and then just work through that list. Just start hitting those customers, repeat it. Like I said, you got to hit them, repeat it. You can't just make one outreach. Great. Um, one last thing. What do you like to do? We're Friday. We're recording this on yeah. Friday. And, and we're hitting the end of the week. What, what do you like to do in your free time when you put down the sales, sales shovel and you put down the bit, put, take off your business hat? What makes you tick? What is it you like to do? All right, so so behind you is a is a basketball poster. So that's one of your favorite sports. My my favorite sport is auto racing, and so I enjoy okay. watching auto racing. And uh, I just had my my best weekend of the year, which is going to the Indy 500 every year. I've been to. Oh, it did 30, you go there? I, I this is my 33rd time going to it. So I go oh, every. I've been year. wanting to do that. I've been yeah, wanting to do that. Yeah. It's a blast. So I follow all the different uh, auto racing circuits: NASCAR, Formula One. IndyCar and 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 that's what I enjoy doing. Right, yeah. David. I wanted to. I, I'm going to speak to this Kobe for a second, but I also want to say the reason I ask you that question is because we can be as successful as we can be in life, but if we don't have fun, right? It, what's the What's the point? And um, uh, one of my largest mentors was Tony Robbins. I studied under him mm -hmm. as a platinum partner for a year, and he has a phrase: "Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure." So here you are leading these, you know, global marketing team. But if you're so stressed out and, you know, you didn't have a life beyond it, what's the point? Right? What's the point? Exactly. Um, and, and I'm more of a football fan than, than <laughs> basketball. But this guy behind me um, impacted my life with his work ethic. And mm -hmm. I have him up there, that Mamba mentality. Nobody outworks you. And I don't know who said it first, but there's a phrase I used to teach my son when he was in football. And it's a hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Now, there you go. He, he wasn't Michael Jordan, but he was as close as he could get to it because he, nobody outworked the guy. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's what I love about that guy. Anyway, David, thank you so much for your time. It was enlightening. Um, I have this fe funny feeling you and I are going to stay connected for a while inside Absolutely. this space because of what you do. So I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for coming on.
Yeah, and uh, anybody out there wants to contact me, you know, look oh, me yeah. up on LinkedIn uh, or just give it, email. Give us, give it. Let's give us the. Give us all the info. Give us whatever info you want to give out. Yeah, just send me an email, djones at salesacceleration with an X dot com. Okay, perfect. And if you can't get a hold of them because you can't spell acceleration, you can get a hold of me. So and get I'll get you in the right place. All right. Thank you so much, David. Thanks, JP. See ya. Bye. Business family. If you enjoyed or received value out of this episode, please share it. Send it to a friend. See, we don't pay for advertising on this podcast and are strictly word of mouth. And I would love the help to add value to as many business people as I can. Thanks a lot.